Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want us to go to a nice, simple scripture that sometimes we go past so quickly. And we're never going to stop, and I believe you're on the same page. We're never going to stop believing God for our hearts to be awakened from the one dimension to the next dimension to the next dimension. We know well tonight that there's no limit in truth, that the dimension of truth is infinite. So we can continue walking in truth. That causes us to be more free, but it also causes us to be able to walk with the Father in higher dimensions of faith. That's literally what it will do for us because faith can only work in an environment of truth. Amen? So I've I, I felt, I've, got, I've been looking at this for a few weeks, but um, I felt I need to bring this tonight, the pearl of great price. It's the single most important thing that we can do in revival is to position in our hearts. Now, I know there's a public revival. I know there's things, events that can take place in stadiums and and people can come and, and do great things for God and that's all good. But my heart for us as a church, and I'm sure the Lord's heart as well, is that we will stay perpetually in a place of revival. And a revived heart always wants more, even in 24. Amen. Amen. Do you want to have more? Do you want to walk in more? I got an amazing word. I got an amazing text from one of our congregants who said to me on the text, we just want, talking about him and his family, we just want more and more and more of God. As I read it, I read it over again. We just want more and more of God. That family's been serving the Lord for a very long time and they still like that. Isn't that amazing? I think I've known them for, I don't know, over 15 years and they still want more. That's revival. But they're not in a stadium event. But their hearts revive. That'll make them sustainable. Come on. For the long term. Amen. So let's go to the Word and think about this. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew 13, 44 to 45. Nice and short. Matthew 13, verse 44 through to 46. No, 45. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. I want to ask us tonight, what do you do with a treasure? You got it, don't you? And now and again, you might open that big box and have a look inside and just feel so good about all the good things that are in there. So the Bible says, he's talking about the kingdom. We have to understand, as I said this morning, there are two kingdoms at work. So we're talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. 
No, I'm not taking up an offering, yeah? I'm going to take up an offering of your life. Listen. And for the joy over it, he sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and brought it. And bought it. I want us seriously to think about this, these two parables. That when God says more in 24 for us, He's talking about this very subject. You know, God builds precept upon precept, line upon line. So when He brings the Word, He will be feeding us so that we don't miss a beat in the Spirit. Now, if we're not listening, if we don't have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, then obviously we're going to miss a beat. But I want you to see here, He's placing the value of kingdom lifestyle, of being a kingdom citizen before us. He's saying, what will you give for it? Because God looks for an exchange. He gave us His Son, now He wants our life. A life for a life. But it's not the sense of a life that's got to go on the cross. It's the sense of a life that we yield to Him so He truly can bring forth the kingdom of heaven as the overarching authority in our life. And that is for our protection, our provision, and our well-being. He's the Father. He is sovereign God, yes, but He's a Father. And a Father takes care of His offspring. So God has given inside church a word, which some of you may remember, was it last week we brought the word? The weeks go by so quickly, I gotta remember which week. Um, thinking more in 2024. It's a focus to allow a greater infusion of the kingdom of God into our lives. And that's, as you go through life, I want you to please be careful with words. Words carry weight. Words carry weight. Words carry life. Don't be careful how you speak and what you say. There's nothing wrong with a clean joke, not a double-minded one, a clean one. Amen? It's been sorted out by Omo or whichever one you use. So I want you to see this, that in 24, if there's no focus on what he said and the scriptures he gave, then what happens is we don't get to this place 
in terms of thinking in our life. In other words, we may go well down the road and we don't want to pay the price. I've served God for over 40 years now. I have never seen him. I've never contemplated backsliding. It's not a contemplation for me because he really delivered me from a lot. I didn't grow up, as you know, as a Christian. So what, what when, he in, when there's um, an infusion of the kingdom, it's a place where he introduces a mindset of kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking is very different to how we think in the world. You know, the schooling system has conditioned our thinking. Our homes have conditioned our thinking. Our cultures and traditions condition our thinking. So introducing a mindset of more kingdom life, accepting God's liquid love, which comes by His Word. John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, that's why I'm saying to you, be careful of your words. Don't be flippant about more in 24. It needs faith to birth it. It's not some Christianese quick statement. I think I gave you four scriptures if I remember correctly. But this is what happens when he speaks to us. He says the spirit quickens. Meaning revitalizes. So thank God we pray in the Holy Ghost. But we have to go beyond that. We must pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues, but we need to go beyond that. Because when we look at John 6, 63, it's the Holy Ghost who's empowering us, revitalizing us with new life. Now think about it. There are many references for the new. It doesn't just happen. But there are many references for the new. And we should be thinking of the new. New life, new vitality. We've got to stay in the earth. What if Jesus only comes back in 30 years? It would be wonderful. He comes tomorrow. Wouldn't have to believe for 30 years. We just go. But what happens if he doesn't? You see, in vitality, we're to be strong. Physically, spiritually, in our bodies, we're to be strong. Otherwise, we can't carry out the mission. Whatever your mission is, if you're not well in body, how do you carry out your mission? You can't. So it's incumbent upon us to look at what the Holy Ghost is saying in John. Jesus is speaking in John 6, 63, but he's talking about that very thing, that we are active and full of energy. 
people say to me often, you're busy. I'm not busy, I'm living. If I live, I'm busy. I have high levels of energy. My brain never stops. <laughs> God created me this way. He created you this way. So imagine I'm only running on less than 10%, according to Einstein, of my brain. Can you imagine when I'm running at 100? I wonder what that's going to look like. Nothing? Gone. Come on. Come on, family. I mean, I know it sounds like being silly, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying literally, it's talking about being active in the Spirit, being active in life, being active, whether you're doing gym, whatever you're doing, but being active. Your faith is a verb. It's always active. When you sleep, the Word works. If you're speaking the Word, when you sleep, that Word doesn't sleep. And that's why you walk through life and suddenly things will happen. And you say, whoa, how, gee whiz, how did that happen so quickly? Because the Word doesn't stop working. It never tires. That's why if you live in the Spirit, you won't tire. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to bed and sleep. Obviously, the Bible tells us we should do that. The Bible says he who stays up late and uh, works till late and rises too early is not wise. So God expects us to rest our temple, the body. But the Bible also speaks about sleepy Joe who never wakes up and always wants to sleep. That's another conversation entirely. So the dominant theme, if you go through the Bible, the dominant theme of Jesus' teaching is always about the kingdom. Because remember, at the moment, the devil's kingdom is functioning here, but we usurp the devil's kingdom by the God kingdom because of who we are in Christ Jesus. We have that authority. But I want you to see this. It's so important. Why does he speak in so many parables about the kingdom if it's not important? He doesn't waste words. Why is he speaking about it? What he's doing is he is, in a simplistic way, he's introducing us to a supernatural way of life. So he'll make reference to the kingdom. In different, he uses the kingdom as a dragnet. He uses the field as a kingdom example. He says there's the growing seed. The kingdom of God grows seed. The kingdom of God is like a tree that grows up and becomes big. And you know, all those scriptures, you know them all, I'm sure. The supernatural realm, that's what we're talking about. So it, watch what Jesus said. Our access to it will be, there will be a price. 
And the price is not the size of your tithe. The price is your life, family. But you see, when we say that, then it sounds, whew, what about me? Well, then you're not ready. Because whatever you give him, he gives back in abundance to the full till it overflows. Amen. Amen. But quiet in here. So when we talk about the supernatural realm and the kingdom, we're talking about do we understand that we're living as the adopted sons of God, that we have completely the same as what He has, that there is an acceptance from the Father at all times. So Jesus is giving us the pearl of great price because He paid the price of redemption. Now He wants you and I to walk in it. I don't have time to go into this tonight. The kingdom of God, one of the supernaturals, you better get this family, it's important, is forgiveness. It, in, if no forgiveness, no answer to prayer. These are, these are truths. These, these are laws that function in the supernatural. Wisdom. Yet we become part of it. We have to release. We walk in forgiveness toward others. And that releases wisdom and all kinds of understanding and all kinds of things. Grace, citizenship. These are just part of the spiritual blessings that we walk in. What do we think spiritual blessings are? You know, forgiveness is a place in Christ. When we get the new nature, we get capacity to forgive. And it's extremely important, family. So it's not merely to be understood with the mind. When God speaks of more in 24, it involves our thinking because much thinking is so stinking, we can't get to more. Now, I'm not insulting us. It's just what it is. And that's why it's got to go together. But what are we talking about is spiritual. And I want you to get this because I think it's extremely important. It's spiritual and must encompass and be entered into by spiritual means and practical living. So what God, what I, don't see this in the negative. God's looking for an exchange. He's a seed-orientated God and please don't just think financial. Your life is a seed. It started as one little worm swimming. You were born a champion because there were millions and you're the guy who got there. That's a fact. That's a fact. Go to medical science and check it out. Where's the doctor? Is she in the house? There she is. Is that right? Just checking. Amen. Hey? 
Maybe not a worm, a little sperm. <laughs> Does that help you? Just in case you go back and say, this guy's biology's out the window. But I want you to see that. You know, it can sound like, oh, that's just cute talk. No, that's where you started. You won the race. You won the race before you even formed. Isn't more about thinking? You minister to yourself to the extent on that and your self-image will begin to change and you'll allow God to bring forth the image of Christ, which is what He's trying to do in our lives, is bring forth the image of Christ. But if we have no self-image in Christ, then we're just going to act like we think. I'm nothing. Amen. So now, a word that is profound. You know it, but it's profound. And it's this. This is how you learn whether you'll pay the price. Meditate on the Word. <laughs> That's the price. Because everything demands your time. So you can't meditate on the Word. That's the price. That's what changes your life. If you allow yourself and you sacrifice other activity to make sure you're meditating daily on God's Word, not your personal conviction. Now, what will happen when you're there, you will learn how, because this is what's going to happen. You ready? Are you ready? As you meditate on the Word, He's going to start giving you keys. Matthew 16, 19. He's going to give you keys. Because now He knows He can trust you with the authority to open access and go through. Are you with me, Finn? It's this simple. It's so important. What keys do you have? What keys? Your key is unique to unlocking the door that God wants you. You remember he said, the door I open, no man will close. And the door I close, your key will not open. If you use a natural key, it won't open a spiritual door. You do know that. Amen. So I want you to hear this because we think, okay, what do we have to do to pay the great price? Meditate on the Word. Meditate on the Word. Meditate on the Word because that's what the devil is trying the hardest to get you not to do. He'll keep you so busy that you don't have time to meditate on the Word. And then you don't get the key. 
Amen. Mark 11, 23. Amen. So we prioritize and validate our value and pursuit of the kingdom. How do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. When we forsake our personal goal. Hello. But God gave me a vision. If it's God's, give it back to Him. Except the wheat dies, it cannot grow. So there's this paradox in the kingdom where God gives us a vision, then He wants it to die in our hands. Then it dies, and when we give up, He causes it to come forth. The kingdom doesn't work like the natural world of kingdoms. Are you with me? You see, we got to a stage in ministry where it's too long a story, I can't tell you the whole thing, but we got to a stage in the ministry where we, we said, maybe we've missed God. I mean, we had the entire brigade in our house from hell. Remember? And we sat, I'll never forget it, I can see the couch where my wife sat after a service on Sunday morning. And I said, God, have I made a mistake here? Have I, have I missed you? Have I not? I'm, I was sure I'd heard you had said, we've got to do this ministry. This is what he answered me. My wife was very upset that day. We had been skinned alive by the congregation. And I said to the Lord, if they've made a mistake, we'll move on. He said this to me, listen. He said, if there is one, will you keep the church door open if you have one congregate, one congregate? I said, yes, Lord, that's a low blow. He asked me again, will you keep the church door open? I looked at my wife. My wife said, well, that's not fair. I said, we've got to answer the Lord. What do you think? She said, well, we can't say anything else. We'll have to say yes. <laughs> so we went back to the Lord. Yes, Lord, we'll do it. There was no orchestra that burst out in heaven that we could hear. It was silent. The voice of the Lord. If there's nobody, will you keep the door open so I can bring somebody? I said, my Lord, this is really getting rough now. <laughs> to my wife, I'm cutting it short, same process. What was happening, family? The pearl of great price was taking place. That's why nobody will move me. I've been there. I'm not saying that arrogantly. I've died for the gospel. Not physically. And you know what? He never just fired it up the next week, month, or year. Slowly, we ground our way 
through. What happened? The vision died to self. You know what was happening when we were going to plant the church? We had prophecy from here to Russia. When you go and plant, it's going to explode overnight. Overnight. It did explode. Nobody was left. That's the part they never told me. That's what happened. Do you still want to stand behind the pulpit? We didn't laugh then, no. But we knew here. We knew here. Are you with me, family? Now, I'm not saying you have to go through that experience, but you'll have to go through your own experience where God knows that you are purchasing the field because it's going to cost you. But the returns are phenomenal. I can vouch for that. But don't be looking for a six-week, six-month exit because it's not going to happen. Might take 20 years. Amen. You're just fortunate you're on this side getting close to Jesus. There may not be 20 years, so things might speed up a bit. Amen. Amen. Come on. So when we forsake our personal goals, which are hindering our advancement in the kingdom. It's not that God is against personal goals, but don't let them hinder the advancement of the call on your life, whatever that may be. The kingdom requires the highest commitment. And what does that commitment look like? Is this an ambiguous question? Hello, are you still there? Nobody's answering me. This time, but not the right one. <laughs> Childlike faith. That's what it is. Childlike faith in blamelessness. That's the commitment, childlike faith. My wife said, what do we else can we do? I said, you're right. That's how I feel. She said, then we better carry on. Look, innocent of wrongdoing, of which disobedience is the chief honcho. Did you get that? The kingdom requires a highest commitment of childlike faith to walk in blamelessness. Blamelessness means innocent of wrongdoing, of which disobedience is chief. You see, we were accused, but there was no foundation. They're not around anymore. We still are. We have no malice in our heart. We know the danger of that. So we're not going there. Can you see? You have to be, the pearl of great price may cost your reputation. I didn't have to go through that. I was doing well in my job. 
I didn't need a platform. I already had one. Can you see? Are you understanding this, family? So obedience comes at a price. It's a narrow road and few there will be that will travel on it. As your faith grows in Christ, the road seems more and more empty. Not because of God, because of the price. Are you with me? They don't want to get on that road. They don't want to walk on that road. They don't want to travel on it. Why? Because they don't want to pay the price. The pearl of great price. So when you feel, I'm the only one doing this, keep doing it. If it's in the Word, keep doing it. If it's in the Word, keep doing it. If it's in the Word, keep doing it. If the majority is encouraging you, run back to the throne. There's something wrong. You need to hear what I'm saying. I don't move by the majority. I move by divine authority. God's not a democracy. He's theocratic. He says it, we do it. Amen. But He does it to us in love. Amen. The pearl of great price. Appreciate you being here tonight. If God brings this Word, He's got one objective. To help you get where you're going. This step of paying the price, whatever it might be, take the step. Take the step. You can't outgive God. I promise you, you cannot outgive God. And you hear that all the time in this church. But you're going for more in 24. What does that look like? Amen. It's so important. All right? The pearl of great price. Forsake personal goals even though they may be dear to your heart, if they conflict with God. Because whatever you give up, He'll give back, if it's of Him. So you don't hurt yourself. Amen. Travel light. You can't run when you've got 40 kilos on your back. Travel light. Travel light. Always travel light. Amen. Amen. Now we're out of time. I wanted to pray for people, but we're out of time. So when you go away now to your house, think about the pearl of great price. Just think about it. It's about a kingdom. It's about a sovereignty. It's about authority. It doesn't matter if you die, because then you just get it sooner, the fullness. I'm not prophesying death over you. I'm simply saying, that, you know, if you hold your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, you'll gain it. That's the context. All right, family. Amen.